Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy's Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. After a busy weekend on the club scene, we're going to be looking back over the McAvoy's Super Value Intermediate Football Championship clashes. Seven games over the weekend. Um, I'm joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the Anglo Celt, to go back over all seven games. Paul, we had predicted all seven. Do you want to know the outcome? Yeah, give it, give it to me, David. It's good or bad. When 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 I'm leading with it, Paul, there's only one way it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> there were seven games. How many did you get right out of the seven predictions? Four. Four. Well done. That's the. <laughs> that's better than you usually get right. <laughs> I got six. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had a good return out of the intermediate championship. Now I'm delighted to say, but. We'll start off at the top of them, Kilachandra against Arva. I suppose the most important thing here is to let everybody know it. I think what we're hearing is that Conal Shorten, who um, collided with Joe Masterson in a, a, a ball that was played in over the top, two players going hard for it. Um, collision ended up in, in uh, we understand it may be a broken nose and a lot of bleeding um, on Conal Shorten, but... The word we're hearing is he, he's okay. He he will be fine. Maybe not in terms of playing football this weekend, but but he will be okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the, thanks, thank God for that. The game was actually delayed by exactly seventy-two minutes, which is, a, you know, I've seen games been delayed by an hour before. I've seen games been called off after an hour, but from what I was told, I think both teams were, were keen to get it played. Mm. So it happened. I think like maybe halfway through or coming. Like something like 20 minutes into the first half. So it, it seemingly it had an unbelievable game. Now, the, the match report I, I got from Eddie Halligan says the game had all the ingredients you would normally associate with a feisty and often tempestuous local derby, including excitement, edginess, raucous atmosphere, full blood attacking, two red cards, off the ball instance, and excellent score taking. What more do you want them in, in a local derby championship match? Other lights. Stick it into Mullahorn and it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's you it. Know. That's it. Arva were the better team uh, up until the 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 unfortunate collision between Colin Sheridan and Joe Masson, which was completely clean collision. Both men just went hard for the ball and uh, these things happened. But up to that, Arva were playing the better football. Um, but they after that, they had to withstand heavy pressure from the from the Lakers. Um, they, they lost Brian McEntee to, for, to a second yellow card card at the start of the third quarter as well so they were under major pressure there um, but that man Kevin Boucher who we had on the on the podcast last week great free taking from him and an opportunist goal swung it back their favour Kilachandra with 12 wides as well over the hour so they'll rue that but it, like it was it was 6-3 to Arva early on and like it was 9.32pm when, when the game resumed as well Arva yeah. went 8-3 up so like a major improvement from Arva on what we saw on their earlier form in, in the in the league, but I know they were missing a lot of players. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. And 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 it was that 
it was that unknown. We both went for Arva to get over the line on this one and, and, and got it right. But it was that unknown that would leave it a little bit, um, a little bit. You couldn't be confident of an Arva win going in, but they'd done enough. My understanding too was that the players went kind of searching at the end of the game. The floodlights went out a minute after the final whistle was blown. Um, oh. Now, it wasn't that Mullahorn tried to get rid of everybody. It just was the time. And I think there's a power switch or something that uh, it's on a timer. Basically, the time went off on it and the lights went out and lads were walking around bumping into each other in the dark, I was told. so. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that as well. And uh, so sort of, and even that had a lot of drama, ended up on a sort of a comic note. But yeah. P- Peter Morris got three points in play for Arva as well. Good performance from him back from his injury. Shane Hamilton, come on, I got two points. Boucher, one Boucher freeze was from over 50 metres. A massive, massive kick. Near the end, Tomas O'Reilly got a straight red near the end. So that kind of piled the misery on Kilishandra. For Kilishandra, the scoring was done by Shane Riley with six frees. Owen Brady came on and got two frees. Tomas uh, Riley, who I mentioned, got a point. And Aaron Brady got a, got a point from a free. So uh, look, it's, it's uh, local bragging rights there in the parish for, for the Arva men. And a good start for Arva. Um, so they'll be delighted to, to take that bit of confidence going into next weekend although Conal Shorten will be a huge loss if they go forward I've no doubt he had, he had three points scored he had a mark and I think two frees or maybe one from play so he was obviously going well as well when he mm-hmm. suffered that unfortunate injury yeah definitely second game then was in Kingspan Breffney on Saturday afternoon Killing Care taking on McHugh. finished with a single point victory 24 points plays three goals and 14 if you want entertainment you're nearly always going to get it with killing care because they it's just let's go out and try and score more than the opposition score regardless of what they score it's yeah. just phenomenal stuff here box office killing care always are yeah they're involved in so many exciting games they put up huge tallies as well like when they won the junior they were scoring goals for fun or sorry the year they actually lost it to Jermaine they had scored a crazy amount of goals something like nearly 30 they were, yeah. for, they were raising green flags all around the place. But they said they, they tend to score a lot of points. But but they they, ha, they're, they have a bit of an aptitude for kick, kicking themselves or shooting themselves in the foot as well. They, they mm-hmm. can let in goals, they can let in three, almost let in a, what could have been a catastrophic goal towards the end there by Lee Buchanan. But I got in for the last 15 minutes of it, Damien, and it was pulsating stuff. Killing Care had had worked themselves into a three-point advantage. Let's start off again for the second game in a row. Brian Clark went off injured. So the game starts off with, uh, I think it was a wide for, it must have been a wide for um, Ballamacue. Brian Clark takes the kick out. He kicks it straight to Liam Buchanan, who then dinks the ball over Brian Clark's head into the back of the net. Brian Clark's scrambling back to try to get the ball. He dives to try to scoop it to stop it from going over the line the ball still goes over the line he collides with the post and is uh, is very badly injured in, as a result the game's held up for 10 minutes a, a lot of blood again he he's had 18 stitches thankfully though he has no major injuries from it other than the 18 stitches and, and all tests and everything have come back that he's he's okay so um, we wish Brian a, a speedy recovery but it started with drama and it continued with drama as it went through, Liam Buchanan ended up with a hat-trick, um, a penalty after Shane Tynan was fouled, and then getting the, the third goal, which was in the final quarter, killing care after pushing out into the lead, Emmett Fitzsimons, um, Emmett Fitzsimons, 
Alex Sweeney and Anthony Brady with three big points to yeah. push Killing Care 23 points to 214 ahead. You think, right, we're in injury time. This is this is done, isn't it? Yeah, not so, not so. Like at that stage now, I was up out of my seat. You know the way I get out of my seat in the last <laughs> five minutes. But I, I was out of I hadn't barely sat in it and I was out of it again. Um so basically I'll run you through the last 15 minutes because I took some notes on it just to, to so people get a flavor of how exciting this was. So just as I came in, came in the door, Emma Fitzsimon seemed to be fouled. No free was given. I think it was John Nemo was refereeing. Fans went absolutely mental over this. Um, Bally McHugh countered. Shane Tynan hit a wide. Killing Care fans were giving out. Everyone was going mad. It was really getting going. And I had, hadn't been following the game on Twitter or anything else, so I had no idea what had happened to this point. From the next attack, Emma Fitzsimons wins the ball in the right corner, and he was showing well for the ball. Gives it to Peter McCabe. He fists over. 19 points to 212. I hear a killing care man in the crowd say, that's the first time we've led. And I was like, right, we're in for this baby is coming to the boil. Killing care then kicked on and it looked like they were fitter. They got a, a point from Jason McMahon. Uh, then Buchanan and the killing, I don't have the, the program in front of me, but it was the wing back for, for Ballyham Hugh racing up the wing. Tynan gave it to Devine over the bar. I was like, maybe there'll be a comeback here on the cards. Then a brilliant point from Shane Tynan. Uh, left-footed effort, draw game, 25 minutes into the second half. Then Buchanan robbed the goalkeeper on, along the end line. The, the replacement goalie that was in for killing care oh, was Delaney. coming out about. Delaney, yeah, along the end line. Buchanan strips him of possession, races in, cuts back inside, got to be a goal, but the shot was tame. And in fairness, there was men back on the line by that stage as well, but it was great work by the Buchanan. And all he wanted was the onion bag. Um, Mark Kieran went off down on a black card on 57 minutes. Emma Fitzsimons kicks an absolute screamer from the right corner. So it's 21 points to 2.14, one-point game. Jason McMahon gives a sideline ball into Alex Sweeney, grabs it, bang, point on the turn. Anthony Brady had come on. He kicked a massive point, 23 points to 2.14. And you're thinking, right, that's it, game over. Next thing you know, Bally McHugh come back up the field. Now, this is just, we're, we're 32 minutes into the second half. The ball was worked. The cornerback, uh, number two, I don't have the program in front of me, but he, he gave the ball to Shane Tynan. And Tynan was well shadowed by end the trainer. So he was out, on, if you can imagine, he's out on the right touchline, uh, closer to the stand side. And he tried to go, end the trainer turned it back, tried to go again, trainer turned it back, but he somehow wriggled his way past him. He's coming in along the end line and he floats the ball across. And I was thinking, was that a shot? What was he trying to do there? He knew exactly what he was doing. He floated across, nice, slow pace on the ball, the left foot. And it was like... Uh, the WWE stuff. That that's Liam Buchanan's music. Liam Buchanan, bang, <laughs> glass shatters. Liam Buchanan, big fist, boom, ball into the back of the net. And it's like, what a game! At this stage, I was nearly standing on the on the chair in the, in the press box. And there was still time for more drama. Killing Care came up, carved by the open with a hand pass to move. Nobody could lay a glove on the ball. Lands in, in Peter McCabe's hand, and I'm thinking, goal all day. Peter McCabe, I was about to write down a goal. He had time and space and he fisted it over. So he had already fisted one over before that in the time I'd been there and he fisted over another. He actually had another chance after and he fisted it wide. So time was nearly up, 24 points to 314. Bally McHugh, one last roll of the dice. They work an attack and it's played across to Derek Kieran. He had a chance. He went for it with the outside of the boot, but he just didn't catch it clean and it, tra- it just trailed wide, uh, wide at the right-hand side, the near post. And that was it. The whistle went. The ball hadn't even landed and the whistle was gone. 24 points to 3.14. Unbelievable. Brilliant. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. The number two for Ballamacue, in case anyone's uh, interested, Luke Tierney. Young, Luke Tierney. young footballer. Yeah. Good footballer. 
worth yeah, watching. But did really well on that call. Yeah, definitely. Box office killing care continue to 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 do what they do. They just love to entertain up there. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal result for them. They'll be delighted with that one, and still with bodies to come back. They're um, they're 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 up and running. Barbecue won't be too far away either. Shane Tier- Shane Tynan, by all accounts, sounds like he had a super game, championship debut, and you know putting in a performance. By my account, I think he finished with four points, three from open play and one from a free, but very influential from open play in terms of his supply of ball. So, looking forward to seeing a bit more Shane Tynan. Um, okay, moving on. Bally Hayes against Coot Hill. More drama. If there wasn't enough in the first two games, more drama on this one. Bally Hayes come away with a three-point victory. 2-14 to Coot Hill's 2-11. Coot Hill came out of the traps. We had both backed... Um, sorry, go back to the last one. I backed Killing Care. You backed Bally McHugh. So that's where I got one of my additional points um, from the weekend. We both backed Bally Hayes on this one. Both got the result. Didn't really think that Coothill were were going to um were going to come out as well organized, as determined, as motivated, um, and as good as they did. And they came out really well, didn't they, Paul? It was a a good Coothill display. But Ballyhill's second half was a different team than their first, really. Yeah, well, first of all, hats off to Coothill because mm. they they put on a display that I hadn't seen coming and. I think they were, of all the teams uh, in the power rankings, Coothill supporters were, were most aggrieved at, at being ranked 20, I think they were, uh, in our rankings. And I think, to be fair, they, they played a lot better than that ranking would suggest, so maybe mm. we got that one wrong. I thought I was very, very, very impressed with Coothill on the evening. Um, it, was, it took us a while to actually figure out the positions and who was marking who, because their team sheet was, was an absolute riddle. Uh, they had forwards named in the full back line and so on, which... I'm not a fan of that from a, strictly from a media point of view. I don't see what it achieves, but um, I thought that I thought they got the matchups were pretty good that they did come out with. I thought Sean O'Connor started to be influential as the first half wore on. Shane Sexton, the, you discovered him, Damien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I bred him in a lab actually. <laughs> Right behind Michael Hannon's house. It's on the border yeah. between Cushill and, and, and Drumgoon. That's the same lab that Mickey Hannon invented football in. Exactly. Five years ago. Exactly. Uh, I just rented off him. <laughs> well, yeah, what a scored a, he scored a break. He, he's, so, he's so fast on the turn. It's yeah. unbelievable. He gets the ball and he, you see the ball going to him and in the blink of an eye, he, he has got it turned and he's stolen a yard. His acceleration is something else. Here's something on him. Sorry, I didn't realise. Just to tell you uh, that I was told on Sunday or maybe Saturday evening late uh, after the game, he's he's a relative of the Sexons from Killing Care, ah, which okay. which actually add up now when you think of the speed. There's a lot yeah. of speed in those Sextons. Yeah, fast switch fibers beat the band yeah. in that family because yeah, bottle that DNA. Yeah, Sextons are absolute uh, rockets, absolute rockets. But uh, yeah, so he scored a great goal after ten minutes, super super goal, and. I thought Bally Hayes were, there was something flat about them there. Whether it was complacency, you know, they beat Cudhill by nine points in the quarterfinal stage last year. Um, I don't know what it was, but they just weren't at the pitch of the game and Cudhill mm-hmm. punished them. At one stage, I think they hit four points in a row um, and were just, just much the better side. Now, an important, uh, two important points before halftime. That, that couple of minutes before halftime is always key. Uh, for the team that's trailing, if you can get a point or two, we saw it in the league final as well. 
Ricardo pulled back to before half time. But uh, Ballier's pulled back to it. It just makes the deficit a lot more manageable. Uh, Stephen Smith got a lovely point from play and a free, and that meant a one four to five at half time. And I thought Ballier's were the, were the better team, like for the first seven or eight minutes um, of the second half. Then could hit well weather the storm. I felt Damien and um, got a great another great goal from Jamie Smith side footed at home soccer style after Enda Hessen picked him out at the back post. And then the David Brady show started. Yeah, final quarter. Absolutely. So at that point, for me, David Brady had been playing, I think maybe marking John McCutcheon, but dropping off him to help out his defence, to come back as a sweeper. Um, and I didn't think it worked. And the management credit to the Ballyhays management then for the final quarter switched him into the full forward. And that was the winner of the game because at that stage, it was going into the final quarter with the water break. Uh, it was 11 points to two goals in eight. So three-point advantage after Jamie Smith's goal, Kevin Tierney with the last point of the third quarter. Um, and like what was good about Coothill in that third quarter was Ballyhays were the better side. But Coothill just still managed to tag on a goal in four. So they actually, or, yeah, a goal in four. So they actually won that third quarter, even though Ballyhays were the better side. Um six points for Ballyhays in that period. But then the final quarter, combination of two things, David Brady goes into the full forward line and they start to feed him with good ball. And I think Hill kind of ran out of a little bit of legs, um, got a little bit tired and the spaces started to open up and temper started to flare a wee bit too, um, particularly when Ballyhays got in front. And I think that all suited and, and sat in well with, with, with Ballyhays. But, yeah, um, yeah. I thought the game was very well refereed by Connor Dunane as well. Mm. We have to we're criticize the rest of the times, but I thought he did a good job. But yeah, David Brady. We talked about this game uh, in detail on the on the Patreon podcast. If anyone wants to check that out, but I thought Kevin Tierney had a great game as well. He scored one four, took away took away the penalty very well. But look, could Hill show? Could Hill have Bally McHugh the next day? They're going to go in favors there. Could Hill show that they actually could have a big say in the destination of this this cup? So look. We ranked them seventh, effectively, in the intermediate. Uh, but we did say that there was a gap from the big four that no one else outside of that would win it. Maybe with Jermaine's injuries and so on, could Hill are the team that's going to jump into that big four now as the competition goes on. I think they take a lot out of this. Dean Conley, obviously, getting a red card means they're going to lose a player. And not bringing on any subs would suggest that they mightn't have that much depth in the panel, which Ballyhays have. Like Ballyhays brought on Jared Brady, who did well. Martin Conley got two points. Colin McKernan got a goal. So, mm. Ballyhays definitely had the squad, but uh, I thought it yeah. was, I thought for me, it was the best game out of the Ramakrishna game on Thursday. I thought was was the top game of the weekend, but this game was the best game out of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for me. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. A really, really good quality game. I thought, um, Niall Costello, in fairness, we were worried about Gary O'Rourke, but done well in goals. I don't think he was to blame for either the goals. That could Hill got, but overall, um, good enough display by Bally Hayes in the second half. They know that there's big room for improvement, but for Coot Hill, they come away with a lot of credit in the bank and play like they played throughout that entire game. Pretty much, they'll win a huge amount of games in this intermediate championship and could be the surprise package. Um, we also did uh, address over on the Patreon. Uh, podcast or in the Die House podcast over on patreon.com forward slash we are Calvin. The 
question that there is over a, a card that Aaron Watson was was shown um, or allegedly shown and Ballyhill still made a substitution. So the, the, the rumor is that it was a black or a red card shown to Aaron Watson, but Ballyhill's brought on a sub. So we're waiting on more confirmation on that. We haven't had any um, definitive confirmation of exactly what has happened. Um, but as soon as we find out, we will be bringing it to you on the podcast later on in the week. Um, but yeah, watch that space because maybe there's a, a replay to happen here. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. If you want live free commentary of the Kiernan Service Station Senior Football Championship, McAvoy Super Value Intermediate Football Championship and the Michael Fitzpatrick Architects Junior Football Championship, We Are Calvin is the place to go. Uh, moving on, Sunday. Baileyborough against Drumgoon. This one I have to, um, I have to clarify. I looked at the Drumgoon Twitter page and seen Drumgoon won 11 points to 10. Um, they had a full time up on it, but it turns out it actually finished 12 points to 11 in favour of Baileyborough. So they prematurely called the, the full time. Now that tweet has since been deleted, but um, it's, uh, yeah, finished with a, a 12 points to 11 win over uh, Drumgoon for Baileyborough. I didn't hear much about it. On this one, but that's it's a good win for Baileyborough. I tipped Baileyborough. So did you? So did I. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just looking at, at Twitter updates now. Uh, details slow to emerge from this one, Damon. So I think we will return to this game when we're when we're looking back at the other championships later in the week because we'll we'll give it the the time it deserves. Yeah, without a doubt. Moving on to, I suppose, what would be another shock of the weekend or another shock in the weekend? Templeport beaten by Cornafin, maybe. Cornerfin winning isn't the biggest of shocks, but Cornerfin winning four goals in nineteen to one goal in thirteen is a huge shock, Paul. That's that's a massive shock. Yeah, that scoreline, I can't believe it. Like, Corner, I haven't seen Cornerfin put up a score like that in the championship in the last few years. Even when they won the junior, they, they, I don't remember them ever putting up anything close to four nineteen. They're not known as a free scoring team, no. but you were at you were at them and you told me they were absolutely brilliant. Couple of key points in this. Um, now Cornerfin came out of the traps really fast, played played exceptionally well. First quarter, by the end of the first quarter, they were leading two goals and three to five points. Um, the the first goal coming from cornerback Peter Hogan, um, after just the most scintillating pass by Mark Johnston. He was underneath the stand outside the forty five meter line. The the Cornerfin full forward line kind of pulled out looking for possession of the ball and there was an, an ocean of space now an ocean maybe a river coming in behind the, the Templeport full back line um, and Hogan the cornerback from Cornerfin was making a run through Johnston 
put the pass on the outside of the right boot across. It was definitely a 50, 60 yard kick pass. And while the ball was 30 meters in the air, you're still looking going, who, what was that ball to? Should the full forward line are all gone? Hogan just appears from the back and drives forward one-on-one and sticks the ball at their back of the net. So really good goal and, and a, a confidence building start for Corner Fane. Templeport kept on plugging away. There was points from uh, Liam Galligan, Owen Doonan would, would freeze and Connor Galligan with a nice point on the left foot. But then before um, halftime, Jack Trainer um, got a goal after great work by Jack Wharton. A ball dropped short. He made a nuisance of himself under the high ball, broke it down. Jack Trainer then onto the right foot, stepped up and stuck it into the back of the net. So really good start. Um, Connor Shorten added a point then for Corner Fane. Um, and then the very influential Cormac Cullen with a really good point, um, a fisted point, but he, he had a super game. Caught ball in the middle of the field, laid off lovely passes into that inside line. Direct early ball was Jack Wharton was, was winning out in front all the time. Um, and he's got a, a really good point there. Barry Doyle got on the scoreboard, lovely point from 40 metres on the left foot. And then kind of with the scoreline 2-6 to 5 points, the game took a big twist in terms of Dylan Raythorn picking up a red card for it looked like a stamping incident um, or deemed to have stamped anyway. I um, I have to say, I, I, it looked like it, like the referee got the call right for me. Um, so it left Templeport down to 14 players and Corner Fane with a seven-point lead at that stage. Um, very important then for the rest of the game, you know, Templeport just couldn't really manage to get themselves back into it enough the, the third goal came five minutes into the second half. Cormac Cullen with the goal. Um, it was a free that kind of dropped short and Cullen just made the, made the most of it and, and Tornan got it into the back of the net. Um, but the matchups actually were, were very important. Andrew Wharton picked up Owen McCaffrey and done a superb job. Stopped them from influencing the game at any point. Owen McCaffrey held scoreless. And Niall Corcoran, it looked like, to me, was picking up Owen Doonan and he held Owen Doonan scoreless from open play as well. Take those two players out of Templeport's forward line and the rest just didn't um, you know, make up for the loss of those two players. Liam Galligan finished with two points, Connor Galligan with three, Gavin Brady with one and, and Jack Kelly with one. But compare that on to the corner Fane forward line. Connor Shorten, one point, Barry Doyle, two, Aegon, Aegon Smith, one point, uh, Jack Trainer started corner four, two, three, Jack Wharton, four points, Dean Kilkenny, two points, all very, very good influential players and, and, and really good on the scoreboard. So the corner fan front eight all scored. So Jason Miney with a point wow. and Cormac Cullen with a goal and three. Like that's when you get your front eight all scoring and Peter Doyle off the bench adding a point as well. You, you know, you've done a lot of work on the shooting, a lot of work on your forward play and it was still built, though, entirely on a really solid defensive display by all of the all of the the, the corner field backs, but mainly Andrew Wharton, Dan Wharton, um, Niall Corcoran, Mark Johnston. I thought it was was excellent as well. So, uh, uh, an excellent display by corner field. If they continue in that vein of form, it's going to take a good team to beat them. It sounds like it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them there. It sounds like a, a very good team to watch. Um, Mm. Yeah, and Templeport, I suppose, too bad to be true nearly. So we'll see do they recover their form because they've, I'm not sure who they have the next day, but they have a tough game, I think, the next day as well. 
Yeah, can't just think of who to draw is, but we'll be previewing that later on in the week on the Die Hards podcast. Um, okay, moving on to Beltorbert against Kuhulland. Finished 114 to 14 points. And my memory in this game, Paul, is that Kuhulland's never really looked like losing it, but they never really could put away Beltorbert. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. Like, I thought, um, I was hugely impressed with the, with the way Beltorbert dug in. Because they could have been forgiven for rolling over, because it was clear from very early in the game that they were overmatched in this one. Cahollins just seemed to be playing at a different level when when they did play. They seemed to be like most of the forwards seemed to have the beating of the Beltorbert backs. That so wealth of options to score up front, and they seemed to to be cruising along and you know playing nice ball. Sometimes a move would break down, but they weren't too annoyed about it because they knew another chance was going to come along. At the other end, Torbert were kind of living off scraps at times and had to work unbelievably hard but they did work unbelievably hard and mm-hmm. like there were five points there in a half time they went down to, they went seven points down early in the second half and they actually won the remainder of the game like and got successive scores I thought Enda Henry was absolutely brilliant brilliant he scored eight eight points five frees and one mark uh, and just led the line superbly um, Don McDonald got three points as well um, so from that point of view but it in saying that, Cahollins, as you said, were the better team. Cahollins played lovely football. Um, like of their forwards, Adam Riley got one four, Sean Kenny got two points, Brian McGee got five frees, Connor Smith got a point. Uh, they brought on Evan Doughty, he kicked the point. They were they were just putting together excellent moves. They looked very well coached, they looked extremely fit and really up for it as well. But I know Shawnee Johnson seemed to have strong words with them in the huddle after. They will feel that they've an awful lot to work on there. It's there's a possibility that they've they're in a little bit of a dip in their form after which comes, which can happen mm. after winning five or six matches in a row in the league. Then they went and lost to Mullahorn. It's it's a funny kind of a game. It's hard to really describe this game because while they played well, they still didn't convince. That's yeah. my that's the way I would describe it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Now it does come with the I suppose with with the health warning that this Kuhulans team, and, and I think they will be there, thereabouts for the Intermediate Championship, it's extremely young. We were talking about the, the full-back line, Keen Donahue, 18, maybe 19 years of age, under 20 next year, Niall Carlin, the same, Owen McCabe, young fella there, Philip Smith, 18 years of age. Um, you know, going through the team, there's there's an awful lot of youth. It's a very young Kuhulans side, and that's probably the the... the maybe the Achilles in them in that the experience to push on and really, you know, put Beltorba to the sword wasn't there. They didn't, they didn't have that, that, that maybe killer instinct or that, that experience to finish it off or know how. And I think that the reason they didn't have it was because of Beltorba's endeavor. Like you, you made the point how six or seven points down, I'm not sure what Kuhulans player it was, had an opportunity for a, a, a tap over point and Peter Shannon takes a run, you know, 20 meters diving full length to block it. And you're kind of going, you're, you're six, seven points down. Most players don't do that. Most teams don't have players that will do that. But especially, do. especially a team with Beltorbert's profile, because there's, you're looking at Beltorbert from the outside in and you're thinking, well, they're in transition. They've definitely, they're not really contenders to win the championship this year. And that's a difficult thing to accept when you're coming from having been contenders for a good few years. And there's a lot of doom and gloom with the supporters. 
mm. talking to a few Miltober people before the game and they were kind of fearful that they might Collins might do a number on them. So from that point of view, the spirit that the players showed was was highly commendable and they, they worked very hard. Um but Miltorba, I would I describe them as the gatekeepers in the intermediate division. They generally go deep in the draw, they only lose to one of the very best teams in it. They're like the team that you, if, you, if you've got want to prove your credentials as a potential winner, you've got to be fit to handle the Torbett. And so Cahollins proved that, proved their credentials there. They yeah. survived that test. And uh, from that point of view, Cahollins will improve. And I, I think Cahollins maybe, you know, I, Shawnee Johnson and Mickey Ling, they're the backroom team. They know a lot about winning championships and they'll know that it's, it's about how you play when you're approaching the business end of it. No point blitzing Bultorbet there in, in the first round. Absolutely no good to you. Um, you just got to win these earlier in games, get through the group and then find form. So from that point of view, mm. I think uh, well, Cullens will be happy. Particularly particularly from where Cullens are coming from. If you're an underdog, if you're a, a team who isn't expected to do well in the championship, a good, solid, like a corner fan, blitz in Templeport, that, that is a good way to come into the championship and mm. they can build on positive momentum. But for Cujolans, they don't need to be blitzing teams early doors. They just need to be winning games yeah. You know, to get to their top form. They don't have to build to that top form yet. So um, Sometimes I, th- I think a team like that that's coming in and maybe has a bit of scar tissue of having knocked on the door a few times and didn't open for them. When you're hammering teams early on in the competition might necessarily build confidence it might actually sow doubts because when you get to a final all of that counts for nothing it doesn't matter if you've won by 20 points or you won by one point all of that counts for nothing and you've always you get to a final you've hammered everyone and suddenly there's massive hype about you but you're playing a really good team who obviously have proven themselves and got to the final too and maybe they're only building up to their big performance so like big big early round wins I'm not a fan of them. I think mm-hmm. you just got to win those games and, and no more. And that's that's what the Hollands have done. So they're looking they're looking good. And plus, obviously, their management will be able to to keep them on the bridle this week and keep the work to them because they'll not be getting carried away having struggled. Like and like it was it was one score in it going into injury time. Yeah, which is which which is I'm sure the message that's going to be hammered home to them. But good performances all around the field at the same time from Hollands and Niall Carroll and I thought really stood out. Yeah, look the class above. Um, yeah, Cujolins take on Templeport in the next round. So that's, 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 the, one, that's, that's right. the that's the that's a tough one for them. Uh, we both went for Cujolins on that one. We had both gone for Templeport in the previous one, um, and then the final game of the weekend was Trumlane against Butler's Bridge. You picked Trumlane, Sons of O'Connell, in this one. I went for Butler's Bridge. That's how I got the the two ahead of you. But if you had any decency Bridge, about about you, Donahue, you wouldn't take the point here. You'd say no. I'm not going to take the point here because that wasn't Drumlane as we know them. It was the Drumlane jerseys, but they were they were missing arguably their five best players. This that's that's a feeble attempt at trying to <laughs> manipulate the score here, Paul Patrick. I, I I expect better from you. Um, no, of course I'm taking the point. I take every point that I can possibly get. I'm no Jim McGuinness. I I, I want to win it whatever way I can win it. And if that means withholding information on you about the injuries going into the, <laughs> the game, I'm going to do it. All right. <laughs> um, but this was, it was a good game. And I tell you, I, I, I described this coming out of it, that, that Drumlane come out with credit in the bank from this one because of all the players that they were missing. Yeah. Well, they still, well for anyone who wasn't listening to the commentary or following it, basically Drumlane went into the game missing Keane and Donald Monaghan and Gary Tubman. 
Um, they lost John O'Dare to injury after a few minutes. Brian Connolly was clearly hampered, and we picked up on it on the commentary throughout the first half. A couple of minutes ago in the first half, uh, Ryan called for treatment, looked like his hamstring. He re-emerged for, for the second half. And at half time, when the team's coming out for the second half, Susan Brady, the PRO, said one change on the Jermaine team. And I was just sure it was going to be Ryan Connolly, but the injury mm. had, had got the better of him. But it was actually Killian Freehill, I think, that took off. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, Maybe a minute into it, Brian Connolly tried to take a shot, or he, I think he got on the ball anyway. And you could see he wasn't right, and he signaled to the sideline he had to come off. So um, they obviously tried to patch it up at halftime. And they had lost John O'Dowd after literally the first ball that went in. Creaving O'Reilly moved to his right, sharp turned into his left, got out in front, stuck it over the bar on his right foot, and John O'Dowd was holding the leg straight away. So, yeah. so that, that that's your game plan yeah. shattered there because they'd have been saying, right, well, John is going to uh, try to hold Kevin O'Reilly to a certain score, trying to limit this. And suddenly your whole game plan's a disarray. You got but someone else on to Kevin, who's who's the bridge's danger man. Uh, they also lost Ben Monaghan to, to a red card midway through the first half as well. So everything yeah, that could a go yellow, wrong. A yellow, a black, and then a red. Yeah, yeah. So everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them, I suppose, on the evening. And yet, yeah. To, with, with 13, 14 minutes to go, Darren McGorn knocked over a free and it was a three-point game. But um so it's a funny, it was a funny one. Dumain, I thought, battled really, really hard. Like they're really dug in. Conditions were tough, they didn't uh, drop the heads. But we haven't even mentioned the bridge. Like I thought the bridge were definitely boosted their own credentials at the same time. Like you can only beat what's put in front of you. And I thought they played well. And it gave it a really kick four or five wides, which you wouldn't normally do. But I thought overall the bridge played well. They looked fit, uh, well drilled. And uh, they knew what they were about. And then the O'Reilly brothers, they had two, the two outstanding forwards, I think, on the day. Well, the O'Reilly brothers between them hit 112. Um, you know, so a phenomenal return. 112 out of 114 is as much as you can expect from any household. Um, now, Creavings, most of it did come from freeze. Quite a few of it, he was fouled himself on them. But six freeze and two from open play. Um, I think I'm right in saying it was 112. Maybe it was 113 they got. Peter Connolly, no, Fergal Flanagan and Peter Connolly got the other two points, but um, like it was, it was an interesting one in terms of they 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 look to kick the ball long, they look to leave space in front of Quivine and Finton. Um, Shaney Letty came out from the full forward line. Paddy McPhillips, John Fitzpatrick, Killian Letty, all out in the half forward line, leaving the two brothers inside. And I thought it worked really well when there's space in front of Quivine and Finton. They're gonna clean up um, with, with, with any sort of opposition in front of them. Um, I thought Mark Maguire done a really good job. You don't see John Fitzpatrick held scoreless too often. And Mark Maguire done a, done a superb job there. Um, Dara Brady came in for the injured John O'Dowd. I thought he battled extremely well. Kieran Crow looked like he was, he was going well to Dara Dolan. We have to talk about Dara Dolan's point. Like, you described it really well on the commentary where I, I think the defender was Colin Dugdale, but I'm not 100% sure because he was torn in that many times to try to find out where Dolan was that he uh, you, you couldn't really see. But you described it as as pitcher Larry Riley and, and you can take it up from there. Yeah, well, Larry gets the defender on the back foot. The defender looks left, Larry goes right. Defender goes right, Larry goes left. And he just tied him up with nuts. Twisted blood was the phrase that the old timers used to use for when you did that to a defender. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. But um, yeah, that was 
arguably the score of the match. From, and then from he sailed it over with the outside of the right boot from 35 yeah, meters. Yeah, you know, it was just it was to finish it. Phenomenal, phenomenal. That uh, one last word on that game was unfortunately Declan Maguire would have missed a lot of the TV coverage of the Solheim Cup because he was at the game. So imagine that it was it was unfortunate for him. But Leona Maguire, um, just just what an insanely talented and gutsy sports person she is. Oh, like. Look, at, we, we we have to talk about it. There's no point in, in, in avoiding the conversation because I, I flicked over when I got home from, from Kingspan Breffney last night and uh, just turned on the, the, the Sky Sports coverage of it and literally joined in for the conversation about it. And they were talking about Leona's performance, about how he, she's the rookie, she's the young one that's come in, but how amazing she has been for Europe throughout the Solheim Cup and that the the the, the partnering of her yesterday with I'm not sure exactly who she was I don't I don't Mallory follow golf enough but that it was a, a master stroke because it was a lot of experience with the rookie but the rookie really taking the lead and, and being able to push on and to the extent even where they're talking about her I don't know has the has the matchups been been uh, announced for today but they're talking about her potentially being the last player out um on the on the European team which would be a hell of an honor um, considering it was, is it nine seven in favor of Europe going into the final day? Yeah, unbelievable. Well, like she is a top ten player in the world, but her ranking is not commensurate with, with her status in the game, and that's because ordinarily the rankings I think go back a year or eighteen months, but they're actually going back two and a half years now because of COVID, and she had only come on to the tour um, like eighteen months ago and got a half season because she was playing on the Symmetra tour, which is like the Okay. B tour, if you want to call it that. So she hasn't had anywhere near the uh, as wide a sample to take her ranking points from. Yet she's up to forty third in the world. Uh, truly and really and truly, Leona's in the top ten in the world. And like she's going to win, and she's going to win a load of events. Mm. Uh, once she wins the first one, I think the full gets it open. So I un- love unbelievable. I love the uh, they said on Sky Sports last night that they were talking about her character and how her coach um, texted her or WhatsApp her or whatever and said. Uh, number 49 in the world you're after breaking the top 50 you can't believe it well done and her response was yeah 49 more players to to get ahead of <laughs> you know i just love those sort of ones absolutely I, like this, I was just sitting there yesterday i was thinking that that time a week ago i was on the phone to her and uh, doing an interview oh. for, for the paper and like she's she's just so sound so modest no problem chatting to, to her dad declan and to arrange the interview and declan's like I'll give me give me a ring in half an hour and I'll put you on to Leona. Just like you're talking about a global <laughs> superstar. Like she's just so happy to give up her time. Yeah. Um, just 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 a great Calvin story, like someone to be very proud of. And speaking of being humble, Mount Rushmore, through the lockdown last year, you got a lot of abuse over Leona. Are you still humble now in, in terms of that you put her up there? No, Damon. As you know, I am a bad loser, and I'm a very, very, <laughs> and I'm a very bad winner. And I'm ta- anyone who tweeted me, crawl, come out of the woodwork, wherever you are. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna make one of those, one of those call out videos. I, I am baiting you. <laughs> anyone who tweeted me about Leona McGuire being a Mount Rushmore, I'll fight you tomorrow. I'll, I'll fight you next month. <laughs> I'll fight your grandchildren. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, but yeah, there's no doubt about it. She's 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 up there now. So look, we'll be looking forward to the the afternoon's action. What time is she out at? Do you know, she's out. At, I'm not sure exactly what time she is in the afternoon. <clears throat> I'm up to my eyes in match reports today, so I'm hoping <laughs> to get watching a bit of it here this afternoon. 
I think it's I think it's fairly late on. I think it only starts in at like four o'clock, is it, or something like that. So it's not it's not too bad. You might get your work done in time to to watch it. But yeah, definitely Salheim Cup down to the final day. It's it's match play, which I don't fully understand, but it's a point for each um each winner that you get. So uh, hopefully Leona can pick up the point for Europe and, and Europe can pick up the Salheim Cup. So uh, folks, we will be, as I said earlier on, looking back over the intermediate and the senior championships um, on the diehard service over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan and looking ahead to all the weekend's action, as well as we'll be looking back over the Cavan on the 14 ladies who picked up the Ulster A title at the weekend against Armagh in Kingsbound Brefney and looking back over the club championship action in the ladies uh, scene with Aideen Coyle. So thanks a million for listening to the McAvoy's Super Value GEA podcast. Hope you enjoy the coverage here on We Are Cavan. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great stuff. And Larry has put it over the bar. It was hard, fast football after that. You're in Cavan, nice yeah. Was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Cavan to get come back into the big time? And then the cave, and it's over the lap, and Cavan are not buried yet. Cavan doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Vincent Cahill. What a day he is having! Oh, this is brilliant by Cavan! Dandy legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah! Hurrah.